Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hagios Dose. My name is Bill Dykstra. Today is November 20th, and we are commemorating Blessed Josephata. Now, to be completely honest, I wasn't necessarily planning on going over the life of St. Josephata this month. Yes, her feast day is November 20th, but I thought I'd cherry-pick a few other people to do first and leave St. Josephata for another time. However... That did not become the case. It wasn't until after an unusual set of events that I realized that that was a mistake. You see, not to give too much away, but we recently had a death in the family. And when that happens, you inherit some things. In my case, books. And from this person, one of the books that came into my possession was a book called Josephanta by Sister Dominica Slawuta. The book began with a few details on her life. She was a Ukrainian Catholic, born in Ukraine in the end of the 19th century. Yet she only lived 40-some-odd years. She would become the first sister of the Sisters of Mary Immaculate, the very first religious order, religious community of nuns, specifically for Greek Catholics in Ukraine. This is what made her special, but I believe it's the events of the end of her life that really show that she was not just special, but truly holy. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read for you parts of the chapter on the end of her life, because I believe that it's, it's really in her suffering that you understand the depth of her holiness. Now, yes, she was a very important person in the founding of the Sister Servants of Mary Immaculate, and she was important in their development throughout the decades from that point, but I believe that her real holiness is exemplified in her dealing with her tuberculosis. So now I'm going to read for you segments from the chapter entitled The Way of the Cross and Death. And I think you'll know what I'm talking about. In the year 1914, while residing in Lviv, Sister Josephata became afflicted with tuberculosis of the bone. The disease first attacked her lower back, and experiencing much pain in walking, she began using a cane, with which she jokingly conversed. At first, the doctors made a wrong diagnosis, giving rheumatism as the cause of her illness. He prescribed vigorous massage of the afflicted parts of the body and much walking. During such exercises, Josephata often fainted from excessive pain, but she tried to continue the prescriptions of the doctor. Sometime later, St. Josephata was taken to Paramichel. There, the director of the hospital, an expert surgeon, examined her carefully and diagnosed her disease as tuberculosis of the bone. He considered it imperative to drain the infectious pus that had accumulated on the pelvis. At first, Sister Josephata felt some relief, but not for long. The discharge continued to form, so the doctors sent her to Rabka in the Carpathian Mountains, which was noted for its mineral bath waters. These baths only augmented her pain. After weeks, she was transferred to Lviv, and from there to Christinople. 
Although Sister Josephata lived with constant pain, her face was always serene and joyful. That may have been the reason, quote, that even those closest to her did not believe that she was terminally ill, and that too caused much suffering. Throughout her illness, Sister Josephata was an edifying example for the sisters, especially for those who were assigned to nurse her. She did not request any exemptions and suffered without complaint. She tried not to be a burden to anyone and was very grateful for the least service that was rendered her. When the sisters came to visit her during the the recreation period, she exhorted them to prayer and sanctity. In word and action, she tried to show that the religious life could be both joyful and gratifying. Throughout her illness, the sisters continued to turn to Sister Josephata for counsel in various matters, and she lovingly received them all. The story continues. The dreadful disease continued to infect her entire body. She was no longer able to walk, even with the aid of a cane. She was forced to take her bed and remain bedridden until her death. The infectious matter continued to accumulate in cysts on the pelvis. Dr. Vigel, called from Skoll, used to open the cysts and drain out the fetid discharge. It is difficult to imagine the pain that the patient must have endured during these operations, which were performed performed without any anesthetics. The doctor himself marveled at Josephata's heroic patience. Now this next portion is concerning her last days. It was 1919. Sister Josephette had endured her Calvary for almost five years. The Feast of the Annunciation, Josephette's favorite Marian feast, was approaching. One day, she said to the sisters who nursed her, I shall die on the Feast of the Annunciation, and how long is it till the Annunciation? Three weeks, replied a sister. So I have three more weeks to suffer, said, said Josephette. Three weeks passed, and the Feast of the Annunciation was approaching. Sister Josephata was becoming progressively weaker. On the eve of the feast, Sister Josephata was in a strange mood. She seemed in a hurry to go somewhere and kept repeating, I'm going to die. She asked for her confessor. Her weak pulse and pallid complexion were signs that the end was near. Now, the following is testimony from a Sister Josepha concerning the final hours of Blessed Josephata's life. I was alone with her in the room and was becoming very sleepy. I asked Sister Josephata if I could lie down for a while. Fine, she replied, pointing to the next bed. I lay down. After some time, Sister Josephata called. Please get up, Sister Josepha. You will fall asleep and I will die. She needed human support and a witness to her death. Read to me from the life of St. Josephat. Later she asked me to pray with her. She stretched out her hand and said, Come here, sister. I want to kiss your forehead in gratitude for the caring service you have given me during my illness. I am very thankful to you. Tell me, when I come to Jesus, what should I ask him for you? She did not want to leave behind any depths of gratitude. I replied, Ask Jesus only one thing, that I may die in the congregation. Sister Josephata added with emphasis, And become a saint. So feeling very happy, I finished my night duty. 
The sisters knelt around her bed, placed a blessed candle in her hand. At one point, a sister prayed out loud spontaneously, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, I give you my heart, body, and soul. And the dying Josephata repeated in a very feeble voice, Jesus, Mary, Joseph. These were her last words. She was conscious till the end, received Holy Communion, kissed the crucifix, and, with a prayer on her lips, gave up her soul to her heavenly spouse. She died on the night of the Feast of the Annunciation, as she had predicted April 7, 1919. She was 49 years old. Now, this isn't the final thing that I'm going to read to you on the life of Blessed Josephata, because there is also a story concerning her burial, or rather her reburial. You see, beside the grave for Blessed Josephata, eventually was erected a war memorial for the soldiers who had fallen in the First World War. And with crowds coming to the war memorial, there was a lot of walking on the top of St. Josephata's, or Blessed Josephata's grave. So they had her reburied in a place that had less traffic. The story continues. When the coffin was placed alongside the newly prepared grave, the sisters asked the district medic who was present to grant permission to the open coffin. At first, he refused, but upon the assistant pleas of the sisters, he relented. The coffin was opened. Before our eyes lay Sister Josephata, just the way we had placed her in the coffin. Her face, however, had darkened. The bones were visible on her hand. The sight, the sight made a great impression on everyone. All stood motionless. After a moment, the medic ordered that the coffin be closed. Then the sisters fell on the coffin. All wanted to touch Sister Josephata's body. A few grabbed pieces of the decayed habit. Others took some soil. Still others, a few beads from her rosary. Everyone wanted a memento of so beloved a person. A few sisters said that when the coffin was opened, they smelt the fragrance of violets. Now, I'm not going to get into every detail here, but everyone who has read the Brothers Karamazov understand that the sweet smell of flowers coming from a body is an indicator of holiness. This is something that is very strong in Slavic Christianity. Perhaps I'll do an episode on that on another time. But I wanted you today for you to get to know Blessed Josephata and the witness of her suffering. We all endure times of suffering to varying degrees. And it's in those times of suffering where it's important to find friends, find allies, find supports. Blessed Josephata can certainly be that for us. Perhaps with an added emphasis that we might not pray that suffering would end, that we would be able to rather endure it with fidelity. Now let's pray from the Tropar. O Blessed Josephata, you inspire us through our spirit of service and love. Teach us to uplift and renew the heart of our people, whoever we are sent to minister, to serve where the need is greatest, all for the glory of God. This has been your daily dose of Agios. 
Blessed Josephata, pray for us.